The following program is not ashamed of the gospel and is about to tell you the truth. When he told you you're not good enough, when he told you you're not right, when he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight, when he told you you're not worthy, when he told you you're not loved, when he told you you're not beautiful, you'll never be enough. Life matters, and the issues in life matter because they affect how we live our lives. In this podcast, Pastor Walt McFadden thinks out loud about truth and discerns how it is being applied to everyday life. Thinking Out Loud podcast is a production of City View Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Pastor Walt, we're going to be thinking out loud again today, and uh, I know that our theme is something that I looked up before we turned the microphones on, and I found out that fear, which is our theme today, is actually mentioned 365 times in Scripture. I mean, that's one for every day of the year, right? The Bible says a lot about fear. So why did you pick fear for our thinking out loud theme today? Well, it's part of our five tough questions for the church. Okay. And we've talked about a couple of other issues, but my question today to the church, and I mean the church and the culture of America, why are you so scared? We're scared of everything. And every time I turn around, I hear another story where the church is acting out of fear. The church is afraid of danger, and it wants safety and security. And I don't see that in the scripture. I don't see anywhere in the scripture where it says that our goal is to seek safety and security. So does that mean when pastors pick a theme to preach on, they stay away from certain things because of fear? Oh, for sure they do. They don't want to upset the flock. They don't want people to leave. Their paychecks are tied into that. And sometimes I can experience that hesitation as I'm putting my sermon together. Well, maybe I shouldn't say this, or maybe (laughs) I should find a nicer way to say it. And of course, we live in Minnesota nice, right? Yeah, we do. But Minnesota nice is fake, and it sort of lets people off the hook. And that's not our job as the pastors. We're there to preach the truth. I was just reading a quote from Charles Spurgeon yesterday, and the essence of what he was saying is, the most effective preacher is the preacher who is tied to the Word of God. Not his personal stories, not his personal examples, but he just says, this is the truth, I'm preaching it, you can do whatever you want with this, but that's going to be the most effective, because we want our preaching to be effective over the long run. We don't want people to 
just go through their life with no change and no difference. And this subject of fear is really bothering me. And as a youth pastor, I really experienced it in different ways. And I believe we're teaching our young people to be fearful. And I don't, I'm not sure that really resonates with the Gen X, Z, Y, all those, you know, those letters mm-hmm. and millennials. Mm-hmm. They're bold. They're, they're fearless. Well, they are. You know, I, I found a quote the other day. I used it in a sermon I recently did by Leonard Ravenhill. Do you remember that old revival? Oh, yeah. Anyway, he said this, and he was talking about the difference between the church then and now. And he said the early church was married to, now get this, poverty, prisons, and persecutions. Mm. All Ps. But that's pretty good, right? Poverty, prisons, and persecutions. Today, he said, the church is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. (laughs) Isn't that good? I mean, he really nailed it. And of course, he's been dead for a long time now, but it's still relevant. Absolutely. And I was reading a quote from A.W. Tozer, and he said, now this is in the 20th century, he said, we're going to have to spend the second half of the 20th century making up for all the mistakes of the first half of the 20th century. So these guys have seen these trends long before we're now experiencing the end result of it is, again, the mass exodus of people out of church. They're saying that there's nothing different about you Christians. I meet Christians all the time that are preppers. I mean, is that Jesus' will for us that we load up with ammunition and kill people who try to come in and get food from us during a, a time of crisis? It's just the whole mentality. It's just sort of that reality TV, and we start adopting it in the church. But one of the things I was mentioning just a moment ago about youth ministry is that, number one, adults are afraid to go on missions trips. They don't want to go to other parts of the world because it's too dangerous. We just had someone in our church return from a foreign country, and she said while they were there, there were some explosions and some attacks, and a couple people just turned tail and ran right back home. They got on a plane, I'm out of here. And here are these Christians who live in this daily And I live in the inner city. You live in the inner city. I come across people all the time. They don't want to come to my house. They don't want to come to my church. They wonder if it's dangerous. And think, what what do you think I'm doing here? I live here every day for 30 years. I know, it's crazy. I came back from Israel one year, as I recall, and and I was telling somebody about it. It was a great experience and whatever. And the first thing they said, aren't you afraid? Aren't you afraid you're going to get shot by a Palestinian or, or a missile fall on you? Israel is the safest place anywhere in the world. Yes, there's some squirmishes on the border and whatever, but we have that in, in our city as well. But it's not dangerous. But it's just the perception. And we're afraid of refugees. That's another issue. And you know my stance on immigration. If our whole reasoning in not taking care of people or welcoming people in is because of fear, I don't see that in Jesus' teaching. We're afraid to let our kids go on missions trips. I have a friend. That's his job. He leads short-term missions trips all over the world. And he said, when things started to change in Mexico, we had 4,000 people coming to work on the border every year. And he told me, this is a few years ago, we had one team come. And we said, he said, we have several hundred acres. It's all enclosed. It's its own compound. You don't go anywhere off of this compound, anywhere else in Mexico. They have an orphanage there, and all the ministry is there, and nobody goes anymore. 
And this is just across the board. Everywhere people are afraid. Just a few scriptures that I have that we might be familiar with, but just to get us in that mode and thinking, Joshua 1, 6, be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. And then he says again, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then Jesus said, but I warn you, whom to fear. Fear him who, after he was killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. What is Jesus saying? Don't fear the devil. We shouldn't be afraid of the devil. People are always worried about and thinking about what the devil is going to do to them. And Jesus said, we have power and authority over the devil. I like what I heard my first summer in ministry. We had a bunch of young people come into our church and do missions. And they brought in a, a guy from outside of the, the Twin Cities, and he said, I just want you to know if God wanted to kill you, he could kill you anywhere. It's a funny joke, but it's true. It's that God, our life is in God's hands. And I was thinking about this verse that a lot of people ask about. It's Revelation 21, 8, but as for the cowardly, and then it lists others, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And this verse is really referring to those who deny Jesus in the face of suffering. And how many times do we, by our actions, essentially deny Jesus because of suffering? We don't tell our co-workers about Jesus. We don't tell our relatives about Jesus. I was talking with my elders about this last night, that quote that I think is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, and I understand the point of it. You know, share the gospel, and if necessary, use words. You've heard that before. Sure, that was uh, Mother Teresa said that a lot too. It didn't originate with her, but she did say that. Sure, but there comes a point when you have this responsibility, as God told Ezekiel, you've got to tell people about Jesus. I have story after story that I keep hearing about people not going places and not doing things and isolating and hiding. It really seems to me that part of the fault of the condition of our inner cities is white flight that people just got afraid. We don't want to live next to these people, this high crime. And think of all the churches that closed. And now those churches, that property is gone. We're never going to get it back again. And what does the church want to do? The church wants to plant in the city, and we don't have buildings, and it's expensive. And we're paying the price for all of that fear. How much further along would we be in terms of racial reconciliation if we hadn't exited the city and, and we hadn't left all those years ago because we were afraid of who knows what? And I experience this all the time with friends and relatives just like you do. How can you live in that place? How can you raise your kids there? I've just seen the divine hand of God protecting us when all the other neighbors on our block we used to live on were getting robbed. We never got robbed. We never, nobody busted into our house. Yeah, there were gunshots on our block a couple of times in a 10-year period, but God divinely protected my children. I could hear my daughter talking one time. She said, he was talking to my younger son. She just said, you know, it was pretty cool that we were raised in the city. I mean, we got a lot of stories to tell. And, you know, you got to admit, it's a pretty cool thing. It did something different for my kids. It taught them to be colorblind and it taught them to interact with other races. And it told them not, not to be afraid of a lot of things. You know, Pastor, one of the questions I have for you, because it is a spiritual question, Jesus said that they persecuted him 
they will also persecute you. So, I mean, in the very mandate of Christianity, at least following in the footsteps of Jesus, that's part of the story that you're going to be persecuted. Now, you can be persecuted in the suburbs, you can be persecuted in the inner city, overseas, or here at, at home. The point is that persecution is will come to those who live godly in Jesus Christ. So why are we even thinking about being fearful when we already know it's going to be a part of our lives because we're Christians? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, our measurements are of success are, are skewed. This has probably been the most consistent theme in my podcast is we always say, well, we're growing, we're, we're doing things right. But sometimes I wonder if shrinking isn't more God's will for your ministry. Decline. How about get rid of some of the dead wood? How many times do we see that in Jesus' ministry? I'm preaching this Sunday on John 5, and it says, this teaching is too hard for us. And many of his disciples departed. And then he looks at his 12 and he says, hey, what about you guys? You want to leave too? And you would think to yourself, like, Jesus, these are the last 12 you got here. What are you thinking? Are you trying to drive them away? But Jesus understood how difficult this life was. He understood that it was not for the faint of heart. And he just wanted those people to clear out. And look at the end result, right? It's the largest religion in the world. And the church is... It's soft, it's it's weak, it's wimpy. We're afraid to speak the truth. We're always worried about this one person and what they might think. We're always worried about the culture's perception of us. Jesus said, the world hates you. Why are you surprised at this? Because it hated me first. This is not our home. This is, the world is our enemy kingdom. That's the place that we're fighting against. We're in a war against the kingdom of darkness, and we're trying to get people out of that. And the only way that's going to happen is when we speak the truth in love. And I tell my congregation, if you're not being offended, you're not growing. That's the number one goal of our society is not to be offended. I want to isolate. I want to be in a safe place. I want to avoid all these triggers. Are we so naive as to believe that doesn't creep into the church and change our thinking? Oh, that's mean. That's wrong. It's not mean. It's the truth. We need to toughen up a little bit in the pulpits, in the congregations, and we need to stop being afraid to share the gospel with people. I see people sometimes, they go 25, 30 years. They have all these holiday events. Oh, if I brought it up, you know, Uncle Joe will be angry and he may not come back. Well, who cares? How's Uncle Joe going to know how to get to heaven unless you tell him about Jesus? We're so full of fear. I've talked to a couple podcasts ago about the idea of safety and security. Why are Christians living in gated communities? Why are they isolated? I had a business one time. I had moonwalks, and I'm taking this moonwalk out to Eden Prairie, and I got to stop at the gate, and there's a security guard. Eden Prairie was a, a few times rated the number one city in the United States. I'm thinking, this is the last place in the world that needs a gated community with a security guard. I don't want anybody to bother me. I don't want any crime. I don't want any... That's not a Christian mentality. And the disciples are saying, Jesus, don't go to Jerusalem. You're going to be killed there. Jesus goes to Jerusalem. He gets killed there. We just have a twisted mentality of what God's will is for our life. See, we celebrate, Larry, we celebrate these heroes of the faith who give up their life 
But then we don't live that kind of lifestyle. We say, oh, uh, that guy, he was a great hero of the faith. He was martyred for, for Christ. But then, oh, not me. I'm going to hunker down. I need to be safe and I need to be secure and I need to protect my kids at all costs. And then, of course, Pastor Walt, there is that idea that maybe we're afraid of who this real Jesus is. And we've made him into a very meek and mild person. And what he really is, is a warrior. Someone who hung upon a cross and died the way he died is not a very meek and mild person. So what the, what the church has done over the last several hundred years has turned Christ into this tame house pet. I don't mean to be irreverent. I just don't know how else to say it. It's very appealing. A personality is very appealing to old ladies. It's very appealing to children. And we don't want to scare the children, of course, when we tell the stories of Christ. So we omit all of the things that uh, maybe are a little bit, uh, might show a little bit of a dynamic personality. And we have all of these paintings and this gentle Jesus, meek and mild and lying with the lamb and all of that. And what we have been sold is this idea of meekness, the meekness of Christ is weakness, and it is not. Well, Pastor Walt, one of the things that I think we're fearful of, as you brought it up, is that we don't want to share the gospel because we don't know what kind of reaction we'll get, and we certainly don't want to be rejected. With that being said, we don't then care about the eternal state of that person. We don't care. Because if we did, we would share the gospel, right? Yeah, this article that I came across the other day from Desiring God, written by John Bloom, Satan Will Sing You to Sleep is the title of it, Waking Up from Spiritual Indifference. And I'll just kind of set the background that John had some interaction with a Christian from a Muslim country in the Middle East and doesn't name the country for the safety of the person. And it goes on to talk about how this Muslim, former Muslim, challenged him and said, you Westerners, you just don't care about people. You don't care about the eternal state. They begin each morning with four hours of prayer and reading the word. And they know that when they go out, they could possibly share the gospel with somebody who could report them to the government. And she would be raped and he would be tortured and killed. They are in absolute total dependence upon the Holy Spirit's work in their life. That was something that was interesting to me because I did a podcast on continuationism versus cessationism. They said that debate's out the door. We are so dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to trust that God will lead us to the right person because going to the wrong person would cost us our lives. They had the opportunity to move to the United States and they did move to the United States. And after a year or so, his wife came to him and she said, I can't take this anymore. And this is her quote. It's like there's a satanic lullaby playing here and the Christians are asleep. And I feel like I'm falling asleep. Please, let's go back. And they moved back to that Muslim country to begin to share the gospel again. And there's an urgent message there that we look at that and we say, that's the most dangerous place in the world. But the most dangerous place in the world is to be out of the will of God. That's the most dangerous place for a Christian, to be in a place of spiritual apathy. If these people face death every day of their life, and they're going out and 
sort of like rolling the dice and depending upon the Holy Spirit to lead them. And at any moment, they always say goodbye to, to each other in the morning knowing that they may never see each other again. And they do this every single day. I read this to my congregation and it just the conviction that was there and it just starts to hit us. Paul said he had great sorrow and unceasing anguish in his heart over his unbelieving Jewish kinsmen. Is that our heart for the lost? The Bible talked about fear 365 days times. It's a pretty big issue, isn't it, Larry? Well, it's a huge issue because it's normal for humans to fear, the unknown especially. And, and we both have this temptation in our life that we want safety, that we want security, that we want the future taken care of, and that's not the kind of life that, that Jesus called us to at all. Let me end by describing a church on Sunday morning. It's rigid. It's stiff. People are sitting in there, and it's almost as if they're afraid of anything happening at all. It's it's like rigor mortis. Rigor mortis, yes, yeah. Right. Has has set in. And you've got all these people there. We had a couple visit for a couple of Sundays recently and we kept hearing this beeping in the back and everybody's getting all freaked out about the beeping. He had an ankle bracelet on. He's uh is on probation. I thought that is awesome. We ought to celebrate that. We got a guy coming to church who's seeking the Lord, he's on probation. Who cares if the, but any little noise that goes off, everybody gets all out of sorts. And we sit there in this rigid, stiff position for an hour and a half. Oh, wow, glad that's all. We can hardly even take anything upsetting us in the church. How can we take something happening outside? We got to loosen up. We got to lighten up. We got to let the Holy Spirit take over our services. Let me finish with this quote by Charles Spurgeon. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to today. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. Well, Pastor Walt, that's a great way to end it. And really, thanks again for helping us to think out loud about fear and how fear is crippling and keeps us away from what God really wants for us. Fear is something that is like a cancer that would try to hold us back. But when you and I come to the realization that we don't have to live like this, that we are not slaves to fear, we can be free. Now that starts with the decision. Number one, you look to your Heavenly Father who has placed these abilities inside of you and you ask Him for your help and for your guidance and He will give it to you and put you on a new path. And you will be able to say from this point on, there will be no more fear. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today and please let us know your thoughts on our topic. We want to hear your feedback and your concerns as you think out loud. Please visit us at cvcmpls.org. That's cvcmpls.org. This podcast is listener-supported. Please consider how you can help by going to our website at cvcmpls.org.